Moses, the way of an intercessor. Lesson six. Father, once again we approach your word with with uh, with open hearts. And again, Father, we approach it fresh and new because I desperately try to, I just for myself, Father, I don't ever want to approach your word thinking I already know something about some of these scriptures. I know that it's fresh and it's new, and I know that you're a God of today, and I know that you're ready, willing, and able to show yourself fresh and new and alive every time we approach your word. Holy Spirit, I know that you're living. I know that this word is living I know that it's seed. I know that it has within itself the power to bring itself to pass. And I pray, Father, that we would allow, again, the entrance of the Word of God, because we are the ones that have the soil, the human heart. We're the only ones that can actually allow it to gain entrance and allow it to be nurtured, to be fertilized, that it might bloom and bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. So I choose right now, Father, to lean into your Spirit, and to lean the, my entire human personality over onto you. And I'm asking you to teach each of us, to show us things, to illuminate the Word of God to us as individuals, so that, again, we don't just hear somebody stand up and spout out, but that we might actually hear the Spirit of God speak to us through these words that He wrote in the first place for us, for our, our admonition. So, Lord, allow us to, to gain, truly, Lord, spiritual insight. I mean... We need to see. We need revelation, Father. So again, I pray that prayer that you would grant each of us, please, your spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ Jesus that we might see what is the hope of our calling and what is the riches of the glory of your inheritance that is in us as your saints. And that we might know what is the exceeding greatness of the power that is to usward who believe, who believe. So, Father, today I choose to be a believer. I am a believer. And I pray, Father, that we're in the midst of a company of believers that will take your word, believe it, and act upon it because I know that you're watching over it to perform it. That's what you said. You said you watch over your word to perform it. I know that not one word that you've ever spoken will return unto you void, but it will accomplish that which you sent it to do. So Father, help us again learn how to cooperate with heaven's strategy, heaven's patterns, heaven's plans. Help us turn spiritual keys that unlock spiritual forces for our good We've been unlocking a lot of them in our past through ignorance that were forbad. But now, Father, we're learning more accurately the ways of the Lord. And we thank you, Father, that you're teaching and instructing us. So guide us now once again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right now we're still on these questions of Moses, and I'm just going to read Exodus 3 to put us back in the picture again and uh, bring it down a little bit. So I'll just start where we left off, where God speaks again to Moses. He appears... He said, I have come to deliver, and it's still remarkable to me, I have come to deliver, and again, if we were to have heard that, that only, 
At that time, we would have rejoiced and said, glory to God, he's come to deliver. But then he says, I've come to deliver. Now you come, go. In other words, I'm going to deliver, but you're the one that's going to do the biz because I'm in heaven, you're on earth. Verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I? That's where we left off. And that's the question, again, that comes to every individual that's going to walk with God in any shape or form because you will be challenged with your own identity. You must discover your spiritual identity, who you are in Christ is what will make the difference. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And again, just a momentary recap. Remember in typology or symbolism or however you want to term it, that um, Pharaoh is always a type of Satan. Egypt is always a type of the world. Israel is always a type of the church, okay? Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will surely be with you. So the answer was, This is who you are, Moses, a man that I'm with. Verse 13, And Moses said to God, Behold, when I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So this is where we come down if you're on. I don't know what page it will be in the notes, but it's point B, What is your name? That's the next question of Moses. There's seven basic queries that Moses gives of God if you look up in different things. But what is your name? Moses is question number two. Who do I say is sending or commissioning me to do this? Right? That's the question. Who shall I say is sending me? What is his name? And God said to Moses, again, this is all from the Amplified Bible, <clears throat> verse 14. God said to Moses, I am, I am who I am and what I am, and I will be what I will be. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And you know, King James reads, I am that I am. The Amplified, listen to how that says that. I want you to just, just put on your thinking cap for a second. How God answered. He said, this is who I am. I am who I am. And what I am, I am who I am and what I am, I will be what I will be. And he said, you shall say this to the Israelites, I am has sent you. It sounds, like I said, ambiguous. But I want, if somehow you could go into your heart and your spirit and think and hear what God's really trying to communicate about himself. I am whatever I need to be, because I'm God. You know, of all the names of God, as we're going to look at just a few moments here about, he said, tell him I am. In other words, Moses is going to go in the authority of I am, the name of God. Of all of the names of God, the one that's probably, you know, the word in the Hebrew for Almighty God, remember, is El Shaddai. El Shaddai, when you look the word up, it means the breasty one. It means the God who is more than enough. But Dr. P.C. Nelson, who was this foremost Greek scholar of yesteryear, you know, for all of his knowledge of ancient Greek, classic Greek and what have you, and in the Hebrews, well, all, he had like 55 years of studying this stuff through scrolls and stuff. What it speaks to is this. He said, this is the only way you can define what it really means. What God says there is, if I am the God who's more than enough, I'm more than enough. I'm not enough. I'm more than enough. But it says it has within it the words of creativity because what it says is, if I don't have it, I'll make it for you. 
I think that's neat. <laughs> I am the God that is more than enough. I am, I am that I am, and what I'll be, I'll be. I will be to you anything and everything that I need to be as a God to my people. Whatever needs may ever arrive or, or come forward, I am the God that will meet that need. And even as we go further, like when, you, when we used to study a long time ago, the seven redemptive names of God, remember in the Old Testament, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Sidkenu, Jehovah Shama, Jehovah Shalom. Those are all what we call the seven redemptive names of God. But what you learn in a good Bible school, if you want to, is about those seven redemptive names again, is that they're all progressive. And you guys have heard me say this many times, God is in the business of progressive revelation. And all of the names were a revelation of yet another aspect of who God was to his people. Uh, the very first name, I think, was uh, Rapha. I'm not sure. I've got to remember it because I've said that once and I went back and checked something. And I, think I, I think there was another case where it was used before. But the point is, whatever the need that happened in the, in the lives of God's people Israel... The way God answered that need, as it were, was by declaring to them another aspect of who I am, am. <laughs> I am Jehovah Rapha. You will serve me, I will bless your food, I will bless your water, I will take sickness away from the midst of you, for I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God that healeth thee. In another situation, I am the Lord God, your peace. I am the Lord God, your banner. I am the Lord God of hosts. I am the Lord God, your righteousness. I am the Lord God, your provider. I am the Lord God. I am what I need to be, depending on what the need of my people is. Hallelujah. He's just altogether God. Oh, well, that makes me happy. <laughs> that just makes me happy. But nevertheless, the point being here is, well, as we begin to see this whole issue of, okay, intercession again, of the power and the strength behind prayer, I said the first hour, remember, the basic, one of the basic keys to understanding why intercession in and of itself in, purest, in its purest form is so powerful is because by virtue of its very definition, it is totally selfless, right? Because the classic meaning of the word is to go before a king in behalf of another. In other words, it doesn't benefit you. It's always about another. It doesn't benefit you. That's why there's a big difference between intercession and, as it were, being a prayer warrior, but I don't want to argue over semantics, but the point is, that's why if you go by that definition, you can't intercede for yourself, and that it's for you. You go before a king in behalf of another. Again, this is why when God sees that, like he saw it in his own son, as I finished off the last hour, Jesus Christ did not give any thought to his own interest, but only to those of others. He esteemed others more than he esteemed himself. No greater love is there than this than the man laid down his own life for his brothers and so on. So we go from this whole aspect again. Now we come into where he goes, the authority. In other words, what he was asking, what Moses was asking is, what authority do I walk in? And of course, again, the answer is, God said to Moses, this shall you say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob has sent me to you. This is verse 15. This is my name forever. And by this name, I am to be remembered to all generations. So now just jump on the outline there and let me just read some different quotes and some thoughts and some things that are from different commentaries and what have you. What is your name, Moses asked. 
Who do I say is sending or commissioning me to do this? God's answer is, my name is going to be with you. Now, we're called to bear the name of Jesus Christ today. And again, we need to see all this from old to new, because again, today we know. But let me just read it. I've got it down here. John B. Davis from a dictionary of the Bible says, To know the name of God, to know the name of God is to witness the manifestation of those attributes and apprehend that character which the name denotes. Again, meditation is important. These little simple statements, you need to say them out loud to yourself when you get home over and over again slowly. You need to read things slowly out loud so that your ears hear them, so that you can allow the Holy Spirit to begin to collect and do something to your spirit. To know the name of God is to witness the manifestation. Now listen, to know the name of God is to witness the manifestation of those attributes and apprehend that character which the name denotes. So if we think about that statement and think about some of those names, I am Jehovah Rapha, or I am Jehovah Sidkenu. To know that name of God is to witness the manifestation of the attributes and apprehend the character which that name denotes. Now again, I, I wrote a whole curriculum on the name of Jesus for Bible School in the States many, many years ago. And I had like, I don't know how, I had two full notebooks of passages of Scripture that deals with names. And it's incredible when you watch in the old, and that's why I, do, I, I love the Amplified Bible. When you study the Amplified Bible, you'll see all these passages everywhere where God speaks to, whether it's Jehoshaphat or somebody, build me this tabernacle, build an altar for my name. But then it will say this in the Amplified name, they don't have brackets, it'll say the revelation of myself, or it'll say the active token of my presence. It'll say that everywhere, and when you, again, get into a good lexicon like Brown, Driver, and Briggs or some of these, it'll show that where the name was, there was the expectation of the manifestation of the character that that name denotes. Now, we're going through this because we're trusting that faith will arise in this area. Again, because today people use the name like a lucky rabbit's foot. It just falls off your mouth because it's kind of the Christian thing to do. The name of Jesus is an incredible force. It is the authority of heaven. Like you've heard me say in prayer years ago, God said to me, the moment you speak that name, every, every being in heaven stands at attention to wait for the next words that are going to proceed out of your mouth. But anything and everything about our Christianity can become traditionalized in a moment if we let it, and it becomes religious, excuse me for creating a new word, religified. And it can be so diluted from what it really means that we, it just is something we say by rote. In other words, we just do things by repetition. And when you do things by repetition, there's, if there's no revelation attached to it, there's no power behind it. And so often we'll, you'll hear people joke about the name of Jesus. They'll, oh, in the name of Jesus, you know, I bind this and I bind that. And, you know, we've all been guilty of it at times. But the point is, like my dad used to teach me, if you ever, if you play fight too much, you'll train yourself to pull your punches. 
because your plan. If you ever get in a real fight and you pull your punches, you're going to get knocked down. He said, so you need to know the difference between don't play too much with this stuff because it'll hurt you if you ever find yourself in a tough situation. And, you know, I've had to try to train myself in this because you get around people and we all joke. I mean, I'm known for my humor and what have you, but when it comes to some of these things that are holy things, you have to catch yourself and understand that, like, the use of the name is the most awesome responsibility and privilege that we have because that's the authority of heaven. That's the name. At the name of Jesus, it says every being. In, the, in Greek, remember, it doesn't say thing. It says every being in heaven, in earth, and under the earth will bow its knee at the name of Jesus Christ. And see, it, it would do us a lot of good. You and I have to develop faith in the name. You really do. I mean, you have to develop faith. You have to understand what's behind the name. That's why we have to search the scriptures and look at the life of Jesus and look at the life uh, of his sacrifice. Look at the, the power of his sacrifice and his sinless life that he lived because it's like anything else. You have to know what's behind the name for the name to carry any impact. And again, the classic illustration is right now, if I say, you know, Bill Smith, that may not mean a lot to you. If I say Elizabeth Windsor, that might mean a little bit more to some of you, right? If I was to say Rockefeller, does that immediately bring up into your thinking a whole panorama of thought? If I say Tony Blair, whatever it is, but my point is this, you see, whatever knowledge you have about the individual, the moment you hear that name, it brings with it a sense of all of the understanding that you have from all the experience that you've ever had with whatever's behind that name, whatever that name represents. Doesn't it? Well, this, this is what I mean. If I was to tell you I will pay your bills next week, you might have a little bit of faith. If Getty was to come in here and he actually stood before you and said, I'll pay all your bills next week, who would you have more faith in as far as their ability to pay the bills, Getty or mine? Well, it's a stupid question, isn't it? But see, my point is what? Why does one make a difference over the others? Because you know what the other name stands for. You know what's behind it. You know the capacity, the capabilities. You know what's behind that name. That's why a good name is rather to be had than all the riches in this world because a name carries with it an awful lot. That's why you guard the power of the name and what have you. But anyhow, let me just get back to this. So the name God spoke to Moses as intercessors and people of prayer. Remember, as I said in the last hour, it's not your talents. It's not your great fluence. It's not your, how fluent you are in the language of any, anything other than faith. It's the revelation that you carry that God is with you. That's one thing. But then when you go into a situation, what you're going into is you're going into it with the authority of uh, that's behind the commission that you go in. Remember the other oldest of, of illustrations is how a policeman can walk out into the middle of a street and put his hand up and say, stop, and cars will stop. Now, who has more power, the car or the policeman? The car, because it's like 2,000, 3,000 pounds of iron, it has more power but the people that are working in the car, driving the car, stop not by virtue of the fact that this guy has more power, but what does he carry? He carries authority. 
So what they recognize, they don't recognize the power, they recognize the authority. Now, do you hear that? That is so simple, but again, you've got to get this. See, because some of you are worried about being powerless. You don't go in your power. You go in the authority of heaven. This is what you have to have. Because again, hell will defeat you, like I said, through a million different avenues. Because again, he'll talk to you about how you're weak here, how you're weak there, how you failed here, you sinned here, you messed up there. And all he'll do is read this litany of things that you already know about yourself. (laughs) That would disqualify you. But when you come up against the enemies of God, you, again, remember, know that God's never had a perfect person other than Jesus. So it's not a matter of you being perfect, so you may as well go ahead and get over yourself. You ain't ever going to be good enough to do anything for God. Do you understand that? No, you don't, but you will one day. Because you have to have a boldness that's not birthed or not defined by your own behavior. Your boldness comes because it's birthed because of a revelation of Christ's behavior. We go in His faith. We go in His name. Because that name is the authority that has authority over all, all of the power of the devil. So when God spoke to Moses and said, this is why Moses asked the question, what name? Because there was this inbred understanding, this intrinsic understanding of uh, what is behind me going? Who shall I say? Because they're going to ask me who sent me. Well, who are you? Well, I'm Rod. Well, but who sent you? I mean, that's what happens so often, even in, when you go ministering places, if God tells you, just, well, who's, by whose authority did you come to London? And see, it sounds so right. <laughs> by whose authority? Yeah, when it's all said and done, you know, Yeah, it's good to have authority that comes from people, but like Paul said, he said, I did not need letters written of men because my apostleship was not from man. My apostleship was from heaven. Now, you can say that and be cocky about it and be arrogant, or it can be the truth because the difference is between, like I said, man setting somebody because the Bible says God hath set. Listen to this. This is a whole other teaching and a whole other stuff I teach. But remember in Ephesians, it says, God hath set some in the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Listen, God hath set some. Now, what I'm trying to say is, in the world today, we have many people that man hath set in position by virtue of maybe education, by virtue of maybe even personal desire. But I'm just trying to say there's all the difference in the world between somebody that man hath set and someone that God hath set. And if God, if it's in the mind of God to set you (laughs) in a position, you don't need any man's letters of recommendation at all. And the acts and the works of an apostle or a prophet, evangelist, or pastor, teacher will become evident in your life. No one will have to, you know, like you always hear me say, you don't have to go around telling everybody that you're a teacher, that you're a prophet, or that you're an apostle, because apple trees just bear apples. Apple trees never have to tell anybody they're an apple tree. People know they're apple trees because there's apples all over the place. All right? So, you know, people have to get delivered to this wanting some label that I'm prophet or apostle this. God help us all. Well, I'm making friends quickly, I can see. To know the name of God is to witness the manifestation of those attributes and apprehend that character which the name denotes. Then Charles Ellicott simply said, God's name is his self Self-revelation, and that's again, that's true. See, God is revealing himself 
through what he's saying, through who he says he is. I am the Lord thy God that healeth thee, Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord God, your righteousness. See, not your righteousness. It's my righteousness that I'm going to be imputing upon you. J.D. Douglas, New Bible Dictionary. The name signifies the active presence. The active presence of the person in the fullness of the revealed character. The name signifies the active presence of the person in the fullness of the revealed character. Again, a real, I'm not taking a lot of time with this, like I said, because there's a whole curriculum written about the name. Next part of the outline, any commission is only as strong as the name of the one or the organization that sends you. Revelation of God's name is critical in both the Old and New Testament. This is what carried the testimony to the nations of the Old Testament as the name of Jesus is to carry the testimony of God to today's nations. While Moses went in the name of I am, we go in the name of Jesus. Now here's these basic scriptures where Jesus taught us about prayer and about his name in the New Testament. Point A, John 16, 23, 24 in the King James. Jesus changes here the way people were to pray. Listen to what he said in verse 23 and 24. And in that day, Jesus is speaking about the day in which he will have ascended to the Father, which is where he's at now. And in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Who wrote that? Who said that? Who said it? Talk to me. Who said it? What did Jesus say about that day? You shall ask me nothing. Right? There's some basic elements of prayer that so many people think we're getting logistic or legalistic about. We're not. But I want to tell you something. A lot of the things of God are like tumblers on a combination lock. You need to get the tumblers right. We're not talking about being legalistic. We're talking about being accurate. We're not called to ask Jesus for anything. If you pray to Jesus, God in His grace will hear you. But I, if you can understand, you know, if you can hear this without being offended, you know, don't jump on somebody if you hear him crying out, Oh, Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But what did he say? He said, In that day you will ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name. He will give it to you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. In other words, up to that point. But now ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Now that again is a little simple point, but see, Moses went in the power of the name of God. We go in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. That name that every demon knows. That name that every demon knows. Point B, again, John 14, 13, and 14. Here's this issue again about authority, and this is more or less, like I said, where, where, we, where you sign over the power of attorney. Jesus said in John 14, verse 13 and 14, he said, and I will do whatever you ask in my name. Now, I would submit to you, I would challenge some of you, if you have access to lexicons, to go and to actually read what the Scripture says in the Greek, because it will actually freak some of you out. Because he, he literally says, whatever you demand is your right. Whatever you demand is your right. 
I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Again, here I've got the literal Greek translation, whatever you shall demand as your rights and privileges, that I shall do. That's the literal Greek translation of that scripture. Whatever you shall demand. Now, I want you to hear the difference. Who are you demanding of? Heaven? No, you don't demand anything of God. Did you hear me? You're getting awful quiet on me. <laughs> you don't demand anything from heaven because heaven's already released and done everything in Christ Jesus. Remember 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1.20? Every promise of God, all the promises of God find their yes answer in Christ Jesus and therefore we utter the amen or so be it to them. You do not pray for what God hath promised and answered in Jesus Christ. You confess unto. You don't pray for. You confess unto. Hallelujah. The redeemed of the Lord say so. I don't pray for my healing. I confess it as a truth, as a promise that's been fulfilled in Christ. And people say, oh, you're getting off on that extreme stuff. And I just smile and say, yeah. <laughs> I'm extremely healed, extremely blessed. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us that whatever we ask the Father for in prayer, in His name, He will endorse. He will endorse. David Livengood can ask just about anything. He represents me over there. And he says, I'm doing this, and he shows him this paper and says, it's, I've got this. It says, signed by Rod Anderson, saying that I can do business in his name or I can take, you know, do this in his name. See, I've got a document here, too. I've got a document right here that's been entered into the judicial system of all of heaven and earth and even beneath the earth. And this document, anytime a devil tries to confront you, all you need to go say, you know, I think you need to read this. Seriously, it sounds funny, but that's how I was taught years ago. You need to learn to read the, read the Bible to the devil sometimes. He doesn't actually hang around to hear the end of the chapter. He really doesn't. And, you may, and again, it sounds like I'm being silly, but there's real meat and truth to this. Because something happens. Because like I said, you see, it's the old principle about you have to speak to the mountain or else the mountain will speak to you. Life circumstances are speaking to you every single day. You are listening to unsaid statements every day of your life. Because issues, situations are speaking to you without words by virtue of their being. Aren't they? Doesn't that speak to you? Every, if you have an unsaved son or daughter, every time you see them, it speaks to you. The situation speaks to you. It speaks to you. Well, you need to quit listening. I mean, you need to speak back. But because the spirit of the issue is speaking to you, you see, you don't speak to it, you speak to the spirit of the issue. It's, saying, it's the principle that you see when Paul, remember, was... Uh, being uh, for day after day after day, this woman was following Paul around saying, Behold the servants of the Most High God. Behold the servants of the Most High God. Behold the servants of the Most High God. Now, you know, half of us, if we're in ministry, if we had somebody following us around saying, Behold the servants of the Most High God, we'd probably be going, hey, you can stick around. <laughs> you can stay there all 
as long as you want. And here's Paul, the apostle, you know, caught up into heaven, taught by Jesus Christ himself. It took time for him to realize what was happening because it said, this did she many days. But then it says, Paul, being grieved in his spirit one day, turned, and listen to what it says in Acts, turned and said to the spirit in the woman. He didn't speak to the woman. He spoke to the spirit in the woman. He spoke to the situation. Everything that has any form of life has a form of life by virtue of the spirit that's around it. Because where something has a life, there's a spirit around it. Because without the spirit, everything is dead. I don't know if you're hearing me. You speak to the spirit of a situation, but you don't speak to it in your strength or in your authority. You have to have a revelation. or You, you get to God, help me out. How do I say this? You get to have a revelation. You, you, God wants you to know that we go in the power and the authority of his name. Uh, and even that, those Greek words there, and I'm not going there, but remember the Greek words exousia and dunamis. They're both words for power that you see translated power in the English, but one of them... Dunamis means power, but exousia means authority. And he's given us authority. He's given us exousia over all the dunamis of the enemy. Anyhow, in the New Testament, Jesus tells us, whatever we ask the Father for in prayer in his name, he will endorse. This puts prayer, now this offends some people, but I'm, I put it in here anyhow. This puts prayer to a high degree on a purely legal basis. If we will see it through humility... He has given us the legal right to use his name. Now, now, has he done that or not? He has legally given us the right. He's commissioned us. He's told us. In fact, this guy that we call Lord has commanded us to go and in his name cast out devils, speak with new tongues, heal the sick, raise the dead. Hasn't he? But see, he, he, he's told us to. He's told us to, but we don't do this in our strength. We do this in the strength of the authority that's been given us. Please get that through your heads. You don't have the power to heal a flea. Do you understand that? You don't have the power to heal a flea. So would you get over yourself? Please, get over yourself. I always say the first thing you need to be delivered from is yourself. And understand that we're, we're, we're representing the king of kings. We're, Moses went in the name of I am. We go in the name of Jesus. And you need to meditate and think on these things and study the life of Christ so that, again, when you bring that name, that a whole, you've heard me share this before, but the way the Lord worked with me all those years back is he said, and I don't do it every single time. Like I said, I wish, I'm not some spiritual giant, but I mean, I can tell you when, I would take the time when I was confronted by a horrific demonic situation. I remember once, man, I just, and this, I mean, devils yell, and this stuff is just yelling and screaming in my face, and you know, and it's like, mm, because devils work through intimidation, and all this stuff was happening, all kinds of stuff. The Lord just said my name, and all of a sudden, it, I saw like a picture of, uh, and I'd already taught a whole, this whole Bible school thing on the name of Jesus, you know what I mean, in Fresno, California. And I'd taught this whole thing, and it had been a year or two before. I'm in Hawaii is where I was, and I got a guy, it's in my face, it's demon-possessed, and he's got a bottle in his hand, one hand, a broken bottle, and something else, and he's just yelling. He's only about this big, and he's, but he's got this stuff, and there's part of me, because I'm, 
not super sanctified, you know, that in my natural thinking, I'm thinking about my old days, and I look at the guy, and I'm thinking, you know, all I need to do is this, this, and this, and I could pretzel this little punk. But that wasn't the way of the Lord. But, and so, you know, and I'm trying to think what, and I, you know, I, but my mind, you know, when you're confronted with something real quick, but suddenly, and you know, rhemas of God, it just came up in my spirit, you know, the name, you know, and suddenly, just in an instant, all of that study that I'd put in, I saw like the cross of Calvary. I saw the sacrifice of this Lamb of God. I saw all of the power that was released, all these things that God's taught me over the years, how sacrifice releases power. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the release of spiritual power. There was so much power released. Remember that the earth shook and rent the veil was rent from top to bottom, the dead rose and walked the streets for 40 days and this incredible power was released and it just came welling up in my spirit all in a microsecond. But it's like my mind shut off, my eyes shut and I could just see this and the weight of that name. I saw myself do this. It sounds so corny because it was all, I was just standing there but I saw myself step over to the side and like this was the name of Jesus Christ and I saw that it was this huge weight and I picked it up, this weight it was my faith. And this guy's yelling at me, and I came over and I went. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. It was in my, it, it was a picture that I had. The, I took the weight of my faith against the stupid little loud voice of this devil. And I just said, and I'd slowed down, you know, because my mind was, and I just said, in the name of Jesus Christ, shut up. That's all I said. And the guy goes, and it was amazing. I was at a bus stop in Hawaii. All kinds of people. And this guy went, he went just like that. And it tripped me out more than it tripped him out. <laughs> I mean, the guy just went, and just shut up and turned and just left. And I had goosebumps. Now, it may not be a big deal to you, but I mean, I was in many, many early days of my spiritual training. You know, I'm still in early days, but I'm just trying to say, I remember going, You know, because it's neat to preach it, but it's another thing to live it. You know what I mean? It's another thing when you begin to walk it out because it's something that I had to learn. You don't try it. You see, it's got to be connected to your faith. This is, this is not about how loud I say it, how articulate one says it, <laughs> or any of that. It's whether or not my heart's connected to heaven and that something I'm seeing with my spiritual eyes is registering heavier upon me than what I'm seeing with my physical eyes. And you bring the weight of your faith. I don't know how else to say it. See, this is why you have to take the time to develop your faith in this. Who am I representing? What happens when I bring that name to bear? I don't want to play with that name. Like I said, I don't want to use it like a lucky rabbit's foot. I don't want to let it come out of my mouth every five seconds in a joke. I want to understand that when I speak that name in prayer, that all of heaven stands at attention to wait for what's about to come out. Because they move, angels move and function in relationship to what comes from the authority that's behind that. That name carries all the authority in heaven and earth. Do you understand? I mean, think about that. See, we can say it, but, you know, we don't, it's not here. It's not here yet. We can say it. We can say it easy. But saying it, you see, it's not just the physical act of your tongue saying it. It's what it's connected to that causes there to be a weight behind it. Anybody hear what I'm saying? And please, I hope your spirit's hearing what my mouth can't say. Just somehow, some way, if we can see this, because this is what he said. 
this puts prayer to a high degree on a purely legal basis, if we will see it through humility. He has given us the legal right to use his name. He's given us the power of attorney. As we take our privileges and rights in the new covenant and pray in Jesus' name, our prayer passes out of our hands into the hands of Jesus, whoever lives to make intercession for us. You've got to see that there's a process that begins to take place. He then assumes the responsibility of that prayer, and we know that he said, Father, I thank thee that thou hearest me, and I know that thou hearest me always. In other words, we know that the Father always hears Jesus, don't we? And when we pray in Jesus' name, it is as though Jesus himself were doing the praying. Isn't that what it's supposed to mean? Isn't it? He takes our place. In our own strength, we can do nothing, but through his name as representing him, all things are possible. Intercessors must know that the sole basis for their authority begins with the revelation that their authority is totally within the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, I can't open up the rest of it, because this stuff here, because we need to wait till next week to get that. But let me just reiterate a couple of little simple stories that I've told you before. You know, stories are good if they build faith. But when I was at Raymond Bible Training Center, we had a missions trip to Haiti, you know. And uh, uh, you've heard me share this before, but during the carnival time there, you know, they have all these witch doctors and stuff there in Port-au-Prince. And everybody's like Mardi Gras in New Orleans. I mean, just tons of people and all these witch doctors out there. And I mean, every single block, without exaggeration, there would be witch doctors that would have somebody levitated three or four feet off the ground. You know, the power of the devil was there. Real stuff. I mean, we don't have to tell, you know, people in the West don't understand. Ask any of our African brothers and sisters, and they know that they, they grew up with the supernatural in some form or another. We over here fight with it. But nevertheless, these guys would be levitated two, three, four feet off the ground, and you're walking down the street, and I mean, it's real. You're right there. I mean, it's real. It's right there. There's no strings. It's not illusion. It's there. But... <laughs> This brother, he had this simple boldness about him. He'd walk, and we were all walking down, and he would just simply, he'd walk up and go like this. He'd go, in the name of Jesus. And the body would go, boom, hit the ground. Walk next, in the name of Jesus, boom. That would hit the ground. It was so cool. I admit, I didn't have the, I didn't have the boldness. Those, I was just watching him. I'd go. <laughs> but it was, just, it was just that he had this something he knew. And he said, no, no, no. He had this anger. There was a righteous indignation in him about this. No, no, no. You'll not. You're not going to do that in my midst, not while I'm around here. Because the name, the God that I serve is so much bigger. You see, every once in a while, you and I have a maximized moment, don't we? Where faith just seems to be super Christian. I can leap tall buildings in a single bound. You know what I mean? And every once in a while, that just... You've all, I believe probably everyone in here has had those moments where suddenly, for whatever the reason, you were connected. I mean, you know it wasn't you. You know the words that came out of your mouth weren't words that you'd pre-planned. You just, God used you. You know what I mean? Maybe it's even if it's just one, but one, but I mean, and it was the best feeling you ever had because you know you had nothing to do with it. And you were as amazed as anybody else. It's like, you know, you lay hands on somebody and actually, 
and you're a man of faith, and you're like, in the name of you, be healed, and they get healed, and you go, my God. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're shocked, because you really didn't have any faith. <laughs> it's just that God moved. And all I'm trying to say by that simple statement is that please don't ever get bored of hearing people tell you that you need to meditate on the Word of God. I long, I search, even last night, I search for new ways to say old things, you know, and I just don't have them. I try, but I, I just, I fail. I don't know any other way to put it. There's something that just happens. I mean, my, I live for those moments when I'm opening this book or when I'm looking on that Bible program thingy that I, I work with or in my concordances, I long for those moments when I step into something and I go, oh, and it's just so real. And I learn to take advantage of those moments right then and I take the faith, I take that faith that just exploded in my spirit and I go to prayer. And I've watched things happen over my 20-some years time and time and time and time again because I make the most of those moments. And what I continually pray for is I want those moments to get closer and closer to closer. You know what I'm trying to say? Instead of there being such a space between this wonderful moment of faith and this wonderful moment of faith until they get closer to where my moments of faith are more closely knit together until pretty soon I'm actually walking by faith. I'm walking in faith. And I'm not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. I'm walking in the Spirit and actually believing this stuff. So let's, let's become men and women of God. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You know, again, we say it, but do you hear, I'm, I, to become a man of God, that's of God, you know what I mean? It's the juice of an orange. That's come from that. This juice has come from an orange. This woman has come from God. The character, the taste, the scent. This man has come from God. They carry a grace, a peace, a humility that's born of heaven. What a testimony that we can all bear. You know what I mean? God deliver us from ourselves. God help us to get into the Word. And God help us get delivered, like I said again, just of all of our anxieties and actually begin to let the peace of God rule. Father, I, I don't have words. I just don't. I'm, I'm, I stumble all over the place, but I'm just trusting you, Father, that somehow your spirit begins to teach us. That, Father, we just might be men and women of faith, that we might have faith that you're with us, that you actually mean what you said, that it isn't just a Sunday school thing or a Sunday go-to-meeting Message, yeah, God's with me, that's what it says. And we kind of say it and spit it out and don't believe a zip of it. But Lord, I know that you've had heroes in the faith in years gone by that believed it. And like you've always told me, Lord, I know if one's ever believed it, then I can believe it. If one has ever had the results of knowing you, then I can have the results of knowing you. That every person in this room, Father, can bear the fruit of this relationship with you. Because I know that I know that I know that you're as close to us as we want you to be. It's all based upon our own personal hunger 
determination and desire. So God, I don't know how to pray other than just to say, please, whatever it takes to make us hungry. Please, God, I'm a candidate. I want to be more hungry. I want to be a seeker. I, I want to know you. I want to decrease that you might increase. Amen. I just pray, Father, for all of us that we'd have that, that desire, Father, that you would simply increase. So that's what I pray, Father, as we close today. Father, please increase. Bring increase of your own wisdom into our lives. Let us decrease. We just place ourselves once again. We bring ourselves as living sacrifices. And we lay ourselves before you today, Father. And we say, Father, please shape us and mold us. Do with us what you will. But teach us, Father. Instruct us in the way that we should go. Use us in prayer, Father. Use us to bring glory to your name. Use us to build the kingdom in this nation. Use us. We're very, so many of us, Father, we're, we're silly, we're goofy, we're foolish, but you said you delight in using the foolish things of this world. So, Father, we all qualify. So I just ask you to use us. In Jesus' name, that name that we just spoke of, use us. Amen. You have reached the end of this lesson. Please insert the next lesson to continue.